Sports Business Journal's SBJ Presents podcast, featuring industry experts, insight, and perspective on the issues impacting the business of sports. This three-part series is sponsored by the Mark H. McCormick Department of Sport Management in the Eisenberg School of Management at UMass Amherst. In part two, Fueling the Future, the business case for women's sports. We're joined by Nicole Melton, Associate Professor and Associate Department Chair at the Mark H. McCormick Department of Sport Management. Nefertiti Walker, Vice Chancellor and Chief Officer for Equity and Inclusion and Associate Professor of Sport Management at UMass. And Luke Bonner, Founder and CEO of Power Forward and a 2009 graduate of the Mark H. McCormick Department of Sport Management. All right, thanks to all of you for joining us. Before we dive into this discussion, I want to frame up the environment here in 2022 uh, with the NWSL Angel City FC case study, uh, the value, valuation of women's sports increasing, uh, the voices out there increasing in stature. Nicole, can you kind of give us an update and an overview on the industry? Yeah, I think if you just want a succinct overview, it's that we're seeing more interest, excitement, and investment in women's sports across all aspects of women's sports. A lot of the storyline that we'll talk about today is about the WNBA. And of course, we've seen an increase in viewership from 2021 to 2020. We've seen over a $75 million investment from different folks that are saying we support this, we believe in this, and we're going to support it with our dollars. But not just in the WNBA, in college basketball, we're seeing a over 20% increase in viewership of the final four, even non-final four games. We're seeing, you know, the game between UConn and NC State. We saw 2 million people watch that. And so you just keep seeing these stories over and over again in women's professional hockey, in soccer, even LPGA and women's professional tennis, which has had a lot of support throughout history. They're seeing increased purses now and increased viewership of their events as well. So it's just a very exciting time now that particularly in 2020, we saw it on TV and a lot of corporations saw that people want this. They want to consume women's sport. And now's the time to, to get into it. And Luke's going to talk about how his company has capitalized on this momentum moving forward. And so, yeah, it's just a very exciting time in women's sport right now. You know, Nicole said it exactly. I mean, she had the data and the numbers to sort of prove that point. And I know Luke's going to come in on the, the merchandising and the business side. But I mean, I would just say, look at sort of the rave that we saw in 2020 and 2021 around the orange hoodies in the WNBA, the merchandise, people constantly wanting more and more gear and unable to find it. I think that in and of itself suggests this increase in demand, both of the merchandise, but also just an in interest of the sport. And the WNBA is just one example. I mean, we see the same thing happening. We can't find our penal jerseys. Um, whenever there's a World Cup or the Olympics, again, we just cannot find these athletes' jersey, suggesting that there is sort of uh, the, the industry itself isn't keeping up with the demand and the interests of women's sports in general. Now, I know you've done some specific research on this. What does that research show us about the trends the biases and the areas of impact? Well, yeah, the research shows that people are interested in women's sports. I mean, some of the work that we've done that looked at certainly leadership positions and the prevalence of both racism and sexism in professional sports in particular shows that women is not because of interest that women aren't in these positions, it's not because of interest that women aren't 
participating at the highest levels of running these professional leagues, it's because of the racism and the sexism and the microaggressions that they're having to deal with every day. That's interesting. And uh, Luke, I want to bring you in uh, as a former athlete. How can athletes lead from the front on these key issues and maybe tell us specifically about the goals, the vision and the activity of your company? I'm a former basketball player myself. I grew up in a unique situation. My older brother and sister were both uh, really good basketball players, both like all Americans. And just seeing the discrepancy in terms of opportunity that existed around them growing up really like shaped me as a child. Like there was no McDonald's All-American game for my sister, right? There was no, the WNBA had just started all those sorts of things. And just seeing like how much she put into the game just because she loved it was like really formative for me. And she actually coached my team, which ended up having five division one players throughout those years. So I think like that was kind of the context I just grew up in. And so from an athlete standpoint, I ended up starting power forward at the onset of the pandemic, which was a genius move for an entrepreneur. <laughs> just kidding. Um, in March, 2020. But what we were seeing was like a, uh, a hole in the market in the sense that 99.9% of the resources in terms of building signature products goes to the top 1% athlete. And there's this huge gap of like overlook in fan base around, you know, different athletes, particularly in the WNBA at that time. So we started Power Forward. I started it with uh, Brianna Stewart, uh, Sue Bird, Mo Bamba and Taco Falls, like our founding athletes. I mean, we just started building out like custom athlete owned uh, products, basically. I would say that we focused on the WNB out of the gate for a number of reasons. One was that market opportunity. The other is simply the biggest fans of WNBA players are all of the best athletes in the world in other leagues as well. And almost every single trend that emerges in all the other leagues starts in the WNBA two years prior. And so we really focused on that out of the gate. And we, after operating for a couple of years where we ended up, you know, with athletes across the NFL, NBA, uh, all the college sports, hundreds of athletes. And after doing that for a couple of years, you know, 80% of our top sellers were all women's athletes. That's data you can't ignore. And we also saw that athletes are really great catalysts for driving movements forwards and aren't necessarily inherently creators, nor should they have to have the burden of being a creator themselves. So we actually, we're very much a startup, uh, decided to pivot and just go all in on uh, women's basketball because that's where we felt we had the best uh, business opportunity and, and really the, the best opportunity for impact. And we just love working with the, the women's basketball players more than the other athletes. No offense to the others. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, you, know, you talk about that investment too. I think soccer is not far behind, right? I mean, you're heavily invested in you know the WNBA and talk about that from a business perspective. It certainly is the safe play, right? Because it's well-established, but I, I would guess that other leagues and other athletes are not far behind. Yeah. So, I mean, from our perspective, even with like the WNBA, it's still very much, it requires effort, right? To be a fan. It's not as easy to be a passive fan as it is for literally any men's sport, right? Like I can walk into a bar and there might just be a game on in the background. Really hard to find that on the women's side, even like the sports bra in Portland, like they have WNBA league pass. They had to get a special commercial license to broadcast games. And those are still being streamed. Like there's all these little, there's all these little things that just make it harder. But what that means is even though maybe from a optic standpoint, the fan base is smaller, it's infinitely more engaged um, than a lot of those other sports. And we, first thing we did, so we basically launched a membership program. So that's what we operate as now is we're a community of uh, athletes, fans, sports executives who are invested in, 
women's basketball because we know it's really good business. And so the first thing we did for that is we bought courtside season tickets in every single WNBA market and put one uh, Twitter thread on that. We have less than 3,000 followers. That one thread alone, you know, our follower increase went up uh, over 500%. We are profile visits over 600% had 2 million organic impressions, zero ad dollars. Like that is insanely powerful, right? Off of like one little, I mean, it's not a little thing for us, but like one off of one Twitter organic thread. That's amazing. Want to shift the conversation. What was the charity aspect of this? I know a lot of sponsors would, you know, get behind women's sports from a charity aspect. And obviously we're seeing less and less of that as this business case is made. How is that business case made? I know your conversations, uh, you know, Neff, I know you as well. You do have to make the business case for this. And I think it's easier now than it was even a couple years ago, right? I mean, I think, you know, the business case, we talked a little bit about this and, you know, I'm not going to pretend to have made any of this up. Lindsay Collis, who's the dynamite agent for, um, I think, 10 of the last 11 or 12 number one WNBA draft picks. She's talked about this extensively. And I, I, you know, I certainly um, contend to a lot of the thoughts that she has. But the idea is just that it's growing. If you look at the sport itself, if you look at the merchandise, I mean, again, Luke has mentioned this, um, it being one of the more profitable of the sports that they're covering. And if you look at, again, I go back to the orange hoodie and the craze that we saw in 2020, where people still can't get access to this orange hoodie. That's the business case for it. It's a sport that's growing. It's a sport that's untapped. There aren't a lot of significant investors. I mean, this year, the last two or three years, we've seen the WNBA really do a hard push with Google and AT&T and others to become significant investors in, in the league itself. And I speak a lot about basketball because that's just my comfort area and where a lot of my work lies. But I think the numbers are speaking for themselves, the attention, the fan engagement that Lucas spoke to, the social media engagement, all of that is leading to there being more opportunity and again, more return per dollar for those early investors and women's sports. Yeah, I think the notion of growth is very much attractive here rather than you know alternatives if you're going to play in the sports space of like entering into a saturated market where the cost of existing is going to be artificially higher just because of the nature of, you know, where those markets are at from a maturation standpoint. And the other piece, you know, on the business side is there's a canvas here, right? Like you can really leave a mark still, which is sh- like shocking by, you know, getting in this game. Like I think of WMBL star week and there, like there's so much opportunity to drive new action around that. When you think of what happens at like the men's NBA all-star weekend, right? There's so many untold stories on the WNBA side with all these players. And I can assure you that many of those players have the most compelling stories imaginable, right? And that context creates like a a, a content loop for the entire game, right? Like getting those stories out there drives more interest and awareness too. To me, it's like a no-brainer if you're a brand that's looking to activate in the sports realm, you are missing the mark if you are not putting dollars into the women's game. So to advance the story here and keep this moving, let's look forward in the next 12 months. And Nicole, what are perhaps some discernible wins that you'd like to see uh, not only in the WNBA, but all of women's sport in the next year or so? 
I think for just to see maybe a bit more transparency, there are a lot of companies, Budweiser's, for instance, one of them that's that's matching their investment into women's sport. They're talking about it. I would like to see more companies telling us how much they're investing in women's sport, because I have found when people are open and transparent with what they do, then other people will then realize, oh, we can do that too. And that does align with our values as a company and can jump in. So that's, that's one thing. And then kind of tying off what Neff and Luke said, we have the data that shows that this is a very women fans. They do have to work harder to be fans right now. They have to dig into it, but they're very invested. We have a lot of data that's showing that. And so just would like folks to listen up and see that and start giving the people basically what they want in terms of coverage, merchandise and learning about these athletes. Luke, how about you? I'd like to see anyone who's getting into this space or, you know, partnering with athletes, leagues, or whatever, to really take a long-term view at this and not have artificially high standards that you don't apply in other categories yet. I think this is still a very much a growing space. And if you are in business, you understand that that can take time to see like some of the the big, big results that you can get out of it. So, I, I mean, I'd like to see some of these partnerships be more uh, long-term rather than one-off campaigns. And the biggest thing is, we need expansion in the WNBA by 2023. Let's go. I like it. Toronto, Toronto, <laughs> I'm looking at you. WNBA during Carabana, nothing would beat that in Toronto. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Neff, how about you? I, I'm, I mean, I'm with Luke, expansion in the WNBA, but I think I have these you know, five points that I try to drive and Luke and Nicole have touched on them. The idea of transparency and data, we need organizations to tell us how they're spending their sponsorship dollars. We need to be able to, they need to do internal audits. We need to be able to see um, the progress that they're making. And I think if you're doing a good job, then you want to share that, right? I think the media, we need to have access to more games. Um, it needs to be easier to watch the games for all women's sports, sponsorship dollars. We need those to go directly to the athletes. We need them to go to the leagues as well, but certainly to the athletes. And then merchandise and ticketing. I think I did a bit of a reach this year and bought some season tickets for the Connecticut Sun because I felt like I just wanted to do my part. I feel like if we all continue to do our parts and buy the merchandise, buy the gear, go to Power Forward, buy their gear <laughs> and buy tickets and just support these leagues. I mean, from a grassroots perspective, that's what it's going to take. If we look back at the the NBA 25, you know, when they were 25 years old, the WNBA is doing better in every aspect and merchandise and ticket sales and viewership. The WNBA, for instance, is doing better. And I think we could probably say the same for a lot of other women's sports. Thanks to Nefertiti Walker, Vice Chancellor and Chief Officer for Equity and Inclusion and Associate Professor of Sport Management at UMass. Nicole Melton. Associate Professor and Associate Department Chair at the Mark H. McCormick Department of Sport Management. And Luke Bonner, Founder and CEO of Power Forward and a 2009 graduate of the Mark H. McCormick Department of Sport Management. Thank you for downloading Sports Business Journal's SBJ Presents podcast. Sponsored by the Mark H. McCormick Department of Sport Management in the Eisenberg School of Management at UMass Amherst.